are the Roaring Girls and welcome to the Roaring Podcast. 2020 is going to be a big year for us uh, and we're excited to bring our podcast back on a more regular basis. So settle down, get a cup of tea and get ready for the Roaring Podcast. Welcome back to the Roaring Podcast. Uh, today we've got myself, Rachel. And we've got Sarah. And we've got Lizzie, that's me. That is you indeed. <laughs> uh, it's March, which means it is not only International Women's Day, but Women's History Month. Ooh, hoo, hoo. And obviously, as the Roaring Girls, we are huge advocates for women and we love to empower and inspire. Uh, so today's big question is, what does it mean to empower women? God, that's such a big existential question, isn't yeah. it? Like, how do you empower other women? Um, I think that, do you know, recent, over the last few years, there's been a huge spate of, you know, I hate the word, but influencers on Instagram. Um, and these sort of body positive accounts or um, sex positive and all of these sort of things that have come out and have been more accessible mainstream. And I think that a lot of people are becoming empowered and inspired by what they see online because that's how we digest a lot of information now. Mm. Um, And I remember when it was a a few years ago when Tess Holliday, who was on the cover of uh, Cosmopolitan, right? Uh, And so she started her account of being fat positive and all those sorts of things. And for me, that was the catalyst of going, oh, oh God, there's a non-conventionally attractive woman well, I say that. I mean, Tess Holiday is very beautiful, like her face and her hair. And but it was the first time I'd but seen. She's fat. She is fat, yeah. And it, it was the first time I'd seen like a non-conventional body, um, on on Instagram. And I think a lot of that has contributed to you know, like me, Lizzie, and Rachel are all fat women. We all call ourselves fat women. We're okay with that. Um, and I think that contributed to a lot of the positive sort of stuff that we started seeing online i think there's a there's definitely uh we could talk for hours about the the toxicity of 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 how we live our lives online and social media and all that but i think there is something hugely powerful in that what we've created is a platform for people to um be visible and to take you know to take up uh, you know an online space but to take up space and 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 plant themselves and be be recognizable and be there and i think that's got a huge power yeah definitely i think it's um i think like you just touched on there visibility is such a key word isn't it and i think people are empowered when they see themselves on a platform that they would never see themselves on um so you see these sort of fat models or these um sort of uh influences who have perhaps a disability or you know all of these things and 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 people if you connect with that um on on a human sort of level seeing yourself on a platform where you never thought you'd see yourself can be so empowering and inspiring massively and for me i think um empowering women from a young age is so important Mm. you know there's there's a meme doing the rounds at the moment which is um eight-year-old feminist me uh carrying too many chairs and then the teacher saying we're looking for strong boys to carry some chairs (laughs) and it's just like someone like properly struggling to carry loads of things uh, which was absolutely me as a child. Mm. Like because I was a fat kid, they were like, "Ah, she's fat. She's strong." Mm. And so, but even to well, you point, were quite strong though. Let's I, be honest, you were a cheerleader. Like a cheerleader. you were hella yeah. strong. I was like, I was always a strong child. But even like in my adult life, um, I used to work in a shop, and uh, we used to get huge deliveries every Wednesday morning, and it would be me and all of the men who work for that company Mm -hmm. doing the stock because they're like she can carry it she can lift it so she's in but don't you think there's something i think there's something that's compensatory about the about that as a as a fat woman as someone who is not conventionally attractive but like in that thing of like feeling if you're feeling unfeminine and therefore compensating by adopting masculine traits do you know what i mean like physical strength being a masculine a traditionally masculine thing to be able to go no i'm gonna own that um, and actually, I think there's been a really positive um, um, shift towards sort of the. Um, there's always been this like girl power, like take up space in a man's world thing, but of like um, praising and celebrating femininity as well as masculinity, which I think is is also important. Yeah, definitely. I think it's okay to be feminine, you know, and it's okay yeah. to be masculine. I think. 
it's okay to tread the line like you don't have to just be one or the other exactly 100 percent. and i think that's exactly what the feminist principle is and and empowering women is is giving women the choice that is all it boils down to it is about going women can be whatever whoever however they want to be um, and exist in a world that already places all of these, um, you know, rules and regulations on how we should present ourselves as 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 women and as females and um, and all of that sort of thing. Um, but I do think that I was I used to um, be the same. I used to be like, I need uh, some strong boys to help me carry things, mm-hmm. and I would throw my hands up yeah. in the air like I was at a festival, and I would be like, I shall do the carrying, <laughs> and I used to run and I used to carry as many things as I could physically lift and now I have a horrendously bad back (laughs) and it it fucks me off because I I had to ask the other day I was in well yesterday I was at work and basically I'm doing a project with a load of young people and we were making tiles out of humber clay like big blocks of humber clay and I tried to lift it and I couldn't and I had to go and ask um, um, this guy for help because, I mean, it wasn't just the fact he was a man, it was because he was the first person I ran into. I was like, can, can you please, I would have asked anybody, I was like, can somebody help me slash carry this please because I can't. But I think for me, the, the, the feminist within me got really angry that I couldn't carry this clay on my own but it's because I had a really bad back um, you know but like you said it's celebrating femininity masculinity and, and, and everything in between yeah absolutely and I think it's also about supporting each other um, and being able to you know you're allowed to make mistakes and you're allowed to um, not do things quite right but if we're all in this together and we're all supporting each other like help lift other people up don't put them down because they've put what they've said one thing wrong or they've done one wrong thing like 100 percent. i think you see a lot of what really upsets me genuinely upsets me is when i look online and i see all of these videos and pictures of of women uh, in various states of undress or like God, that was really harsh. All right, mum. I know. Basically, uh, bollock naked, or no, in their underwear or whatever. And the the most of the comments are women tearing that woman mm-hmm. down. And and again, I mean, that's some other patriarchal bullshit we can talk about. But it, it's I usually find it's other women who are tearing these so, women down based on that. I think we really need to have a conversation now. I mean, not like right now in this podcast, but I mean, in this moment in history, about. Um, about uh naked pictures and like this whole revenge porn thing because what's happening is the generation of women who have grown up with uh technology coming into their life at such a point where they have taken pictures of themselves or they've posted pornography are aging into positions of power into leading companies into leading countries and i think if we don't have this conversation now what's going to happen is we're going to have a leader of a country who has taken a naked picture of herself which a lot of people most people my age I know have done such a yeah, thing absolutely. um you know and may have done it as may have done it in her youth may have done it more recently but has has done it has either done it herself or done it in a committed relationship and then when those pictures spill the 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 way that that's going to come back on her is going to ruin her do you know what I mean like I think it's a really important conversation to have the way that we treat people who take pictures of themselves or who have pictures taken of themselves in a not in like a um, porn sex work way but in a, an amateur uh, here's just a picture here's a snap of me sexy uh, kind of way for the for the podcast I uh, just winked so hard that Sarah's now in love with me um, <laughs> but do, do you know what I mean like I think yeah. it's a conversation that we we don't have we either shame people for taking naked pictures mm-hmm. or we say well it's terrible that someone leaked that picture but she shouldn't have taken that photo the thing is sexuality destroys women is what is in this oh, society sure. right so we we want to empower women to um you know perhaps be on page three or to um no 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 as in like i'm talking about society here so we, we go right women women go on page three women are um doing perfume adverts in their underwear they're doing car adverts in their fucking underwear for some unknown reason i've never driven in my bra and knickers i mean i mean fucking good on you if you want to girl you go for it but like these adverts are so ridiculous when's your driving test (laughs) oh christ (laughs) my instructor will be like fuck it up but i'm telling you i get a pass no um (laughs) i think the thing is right is that we sexuality destroys women because 
there is a way in society that we want women to be sexual. Oh, sex, sex sells, sex sells. But the minute that they sell themselves through mm-hmm. sex, yeah. through s- sex work, through um, creating naked accounts and asking people to subscribe, somehow they are devaluing their body and their femininity. But it's okay if there's a male CEO somewhere paying her a few grand to do an advert in a knickers, you know, for Or, you know, having a mistress or or you know whatever you know doing similarly um sexually quote-unquote inappropriate behaviors i mean you know harassing women let's be honest yeah historically been perfectly fine hush it all up but you know like there's a there is a real power shift power problem and i think what i want to talk about here is the fact that um, I actually only found um, my own sort of version and principles of feminism a few years ago. Um, because, no, genu- but genuinely, I was brought up in a very working class town. Um, women had their roles, men had their roles. There was no such, th- uh, there was no other genders. There was, um, other sexualities were completely taboo. That is the life that I lived. Now, don't get me wrong, I had, um, I had um, mates who were gay growing up. One of my best friends from school is now a really proud trans man. Um, and I have the privilege to have such a wealth of people in my life who are from all backgrounds and walks of life. But it wasn't really until I came to university that I had all of these ideas. And I remember it was a, probably about five years ago now. I posted on Facebook and I said, I don't get feminism. I don't know why you need it. Somebody please explain this to me. And I was so... I really um, hope you got mansplained to you. Oh, <laughs> God. No, do you know what it was, actually? It was a, a load of wonderful women that I really respect and admire that came into those comments and said, cool, mate, let me explain to you why I think we need it and, and what's going on here. And I started to learn about it. And Because I, I will never stand here and say my hands are clean and that I've always believed this and I've always thought this way. For me personally, I think a lot of my background and yes... A lot of it's my own fault. Maybe I didn't educate myself enough. I didn't seek the answers well enough. Um, and I like to think I do that now, definitely. And I really look into things and I and um and, and you know form my own opinions on things. But I remember there was a time in my childhood where I thought that women who um were strippers for a living, you know, or sex workers, I used to think, well, why why would they do something like that where your pay you know men are paying to see your body and that's disgusting and that's awful and they should be ashamed to do that job and now of course i've completely flipped the other way where again i mean obviously there is a lot more troubling it's a very nuanced conversation we could go into i mean and i'm sure we might go into it in this podcast but i think for me now it's all about consent and choice if a woman wants to do that job is happy doing that job and has consented to doing that and is in a a position of control over that then fucking right she should be able to to do that because why you should turn your weakness into a fucking power and women's sexuality is seen as a weakness <laughs> sorry i feel like mic drop i'm like Bleh. welcome to my ted talk honestly that is my dream I, to I, do a ted talk it is my dream and we're doing one this month we don't know the date yet because we have uh, oh is it the sixth oh sorry we do it's the sixth of march anyway sorry yes but i was just saying about women's sexuality being seen as a weakness when in fact you know it should be something that is empowered i think you know yeah and i think it has been weaponized against women for 100%. a long time and like sure. you know we've got people who are doing sex work who do not want to do sex work and they've been coerced or they're being forced or mm. whatever it is but the women who want to do it and are completely happy doing it comfortable want to do it why shouldn't they but, do it but also i think it is more complicated than that because even if you are um in control and making the informed choice to do it you are still working within a society which is structured in such a way where your body is viewed as an object and is for consumption and is viewed through a male lens and so i think it is more complicated than just saying hey if you want to do it do it although i do obviously believe in supporting sex workers and um and just women's sexuality in 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 general I, i do think that if you're stripping even if you're the most empowered stripper if you're stripping for a male audience if you're stripping in what is still a very patriarchal um misogynistic society it's not as simple as you being totally in control do you know what i mean yeah i do agree with that and i think we are crawling towards a destination where women are starting to take 
uh, what are seen as their weaknesses and empowering themselves and giving themselves a platform um, and of course that attracts an awful lot of hate and is a, a huge conversation but I'm really pleased that those women are feeling able to have that platform. Yeah, and it's a really interesting thing, isn't it? I've had conversations before and people have been like, oh, if you could live in any era, what era would you live in? And like, we can romanticise the past all we like or like the fashion or the music or whatever, but like, in terms of the rights that we have and the... Guys, things aren't perfect, but in terms of the direction things are moving, like, I don't know why you would go... Oh, I want to live in the 50s no like no. let's let's move forward let's progress to a place where we are dismantling this yeah and it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of time but hopefully we can build something that's a little bit more and I think we had a, a conversation in the last podcast didn't we where we talked about the idea of gender roles and um and again it's it's women having the choice to be a homemaker and a mother and a wife and and if that is something that she wants to prescribe to then that is also okay but it's having the choice and knowing that if you want to um you know do other things or explore other opportunities in your life at the same time or instead of that is totally okay absolutely and like you said it does come down to this choice you know just because you subscribe to kind of traditional gender roles doesn't mean that you're any less of a feminist yeah if exactly. you enjoyed it like you know the typical kind of woman who stays at home and bakes and has children that you you can still be a feminist and do that like it doesn't I mean, make baking you, is fun guys yeah i mean and tasty mm-hmm. <laughs> but it doesn't make you any less of a feminist like and to shame people it's that difficult isn't it of um and this is true of all things is that we judge other people by their actions and we judge ourselves yeah. by our intentions and that yeah. you can only pursue one or two things in life you yeah. cannot like um I, I am not pursuing a career in STEM. That does not mean that I'm not, that I don't think that it's incredibly important for more women to. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's mm. that thing of going, making sure, I think, that the language you use and the actions you take speak to your intentions. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to find yourself put in a box by someone else's yeah. opinion of you. Again, I think issues around feminism and. Um, and and what is seen of as female roles in society or how females present themselves again there's a lot of problems within feminism i mean you have the uh, trans exclusionary radical feminists who don't believe that trans women are women and there's that i mean that is deeply fucking problematic on so many levels and i mean i could talk about this all day and the sex work exclusionary radical feminists exactly the swerfs and turfs which the swerfs and turfs and and that's uh, you know as i mentioned a few minutes ago i used to be a swerf like in that i did i did think that you can't be a feminist and do those things and i think what it's about is as always with everything and this is something i find myself saying to people all the time if you do not agree with something or you do not understand something that is okay but to deny the existence of it and to deny the inclusion of those people that's the deeply problematic thing and And you need to interrogate you need to educate yourself and speak to people if you don't understand something and this is the thing it comes down to education at the end of the day like if i feel like we should be taught more about feminism in schools we should be taught about kind of how to live in the diverse world that we're in and taught respect and taught how to respect other people's opinions without compromising your own I I think there's also it's that thing of going back to the idea of how do you empower other women of that thing of going it's so easy when presented with an opinion like that which you think is really toxic or really horrific in some way of and I'm not suggesting that you know you go out of your way or make yourself unsafe to ed- mm. in just to educate someone else's ignorance. But I do think it's that thing of 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 being able to open that conversation, like you say, Sarah, saying what's the point of feminism? If you'd had a hundred people go, well, fuck you, feminism's needed. You wouldn't have engaged with it. Whereas someone yeah. who is willing to have that conversation with you, willing to walk that line and go, I disagree with you, but I'm going to connect with you as a human, talk to you about it, and and tell you my perspective or point you in the direction of this or whatever i think that you open so many more doors yeah, by doing that do. and i think it's so important like you said it's it's conversation it's education it's humanizing things there are you know my my family there are things within my family that my family are against or don't understand that i completely embrace and, and accept 
and and having those conversations are really important and you may not always change that person's mind um but i think the minute that you go you're a fucking moron because of blank yeah. you are shutting that person out and i i am 100 percent guilty of doing that myself yeah. i've done it in the past where i've gotten really angry about it I've, i will i definitely do it as a conscious thing i work, I work with a lot of young people and if i'm with uh, often teenagers yeah. or preteens that i'm working with will say something that is they'll either use a word or they'll um present a, a, a something that is that is gendered in some way or something that i don't think is a a good viewpoint or that i i think needs challenging but i think if you i work very hard to try to talk to them rather than saying don't use that word you know just you know to make people think about well what does that do you know what that word means do you yeah. know what the history of that word is do you know do you do you agree with that because the way that you present yourself i don't think you do i think you've got this from somewhere um and i think like you say about education i'd be fascinated to know what it's like to go to school now in 2020 as mm. a and to how much has shifted and how much is different in your even just the way that things are talked about i mean you mentioned it being women's history month you know i for sure i mean you know women's history has been erased and forgotten in many ways as we all know people you know by virtue of not being um allowed access to certain places or be not being the people that whose history is recorded but i hope i think that there is a more of a focus generally on promoting female figures historically and female contributions to cult to the culture but yeah mm. we all three of us work with young people in different ways mm-hmm. um and i think you know like lizzie was saying you it's important to challenge those kind of misconceptions that people may have or kind of challenge terminology that people are using and you know i feel like it's kind of like our responsibility to those young people that we are working with to kind of be exemplary and mm. kind of go have you thought about this like challenge those ideas let's kind of make it a bit more progressive and I- have there ever been people uh, in your lives that you've kind of gone these are people who've really helped me connected with me helped raise me up i had a science teacher when i was in secondary school called mrs lanigan shout out mrs lanigan um she was she was ace she had like fiery red hair she wore a lab coat all the time even at lunch why else would you become a science teacher not for the fashion so she used to make me take my nail polish off with acid like uh in from the (laughs) cupboard in the science cupboard and um and she also made me because i was a little bit of a shit what what i know um I wasn't, you know, I wasn't terrible, but I was enough for them to go, Sarah, sh- Sarah Louise, can you please be quite Sarah Louise, like yeah. all the time. And she made me come and sit. You start full naming you when you get annoying in rehearsals. <laughs> no. Um, but she made me sit on her front desk in her classroom and I had to sit and do my work. And in front of me, she just placed a jar. She just went onto the desk and I looked at it and it said ashes of problem students. And I was like, oh my God. Um, but Mrs. Lanigan was such a force to be reckoned with and I loved I fell in love with her because she opened the door on the first day of chemistry and she said if you are good to me we will get on like a house on fire but be warned I am fiery and I can burn you to the ground <laughs> is what she said and I was like she I, she was absolutely petrifying but she was so um but she was also a lot of other things she was very kind she was very um she used to push you in the right direction but she also took no shit. And it was the f- I remember it was one of the first women that I'd met that I was like, oh my God, I, like, I would not fuck with you. You know what I mean? And she, I remember Mrs. Lanigan particularly was a teacher for me that really stands out. You see, I've got two teachers that really stand out for me. Uh, one of which was my year seven form tutor, Mrs. Wileyman, who, like the popular girls, used to bully relentlessly. She was a PE teacher. And she turned around to me and she went, you're going to be my protege wow i was like i don't know what that means but cool (laughs) um and she would obviously being a fat kid pe wasn't my favorite subject of them all um and she would uh always be so supportive in in pe and you know if i'd done something well she'd really reward me for it like she'd always kind of um be so supportive and kind of willing for me to make mistakes mm. um and she was just a uh, a woman who just was like 
I can see that you know you're struggling you're not at the same level as everyone else I'm going to be there for you mm. which was really magic that's magic and then um I had a German teacher who was called Miss Critchley and she was amazing she was a young teacher um I don't know if she's still there um but I uh I talk about it in the show, I've got policy discoveries, which mean that my periods are all over the place and do whatever the hell they want. Um, <laughs> that is the medical definition. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I came on during one of the classes, didn't have anything with me, mm. and ended up just sat in a pool of my own blood. Oh, Jesus. Um, Whoa. Yeah, TMI, but YOLO. Um, and I sat there until the end of the class and just sat in my seat and she kind of came up to me she was like right what's going on and i was like i've bled through everything Mm. and she was like don't worry about it like she got out like a little like hazmat yellow bag (laughs) oh an angel and she was like i'll clear it up nobody needs to know like just go home tie you jump around your waist go to reception and they will deal with like they'll get you home and my mum picked me up and i cried just mm. out of pure embarrassment yeah. yeah of course for the rest of the day um she never brought it up again she to my knowledge she didn't tell any of the other teachers she kept it so under wraps and that is an act of kindness that i often think about it's really it's, sweet isn't it it's just to go do you know what like that was a really horrible thing to happen to me and she dealt with it so privately and so with such incredible tact. Um, and yeah, she was, she was amazing. Mm. What about you, Lizzie? Is there any teachers that stand out? I think I feel like I've had a lot of really inspirational teachers. I definitely found... I, I, this is such a, a weird thing to say, but like, m- like most of my primary school teachers, like just generally, who are mostly women, like genuinely, I think... I was a bit of a nerd, like I loved reading and I was like, I'm never afraid of my own opinion. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I was an opinionated kid, like if there was a question, I'm going to tell you my answer. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, but I feel throughout primary school that was uh, nurtured and supportive and supported and um, treated as an asset yeah. by so many of my teachers rather than being told to shut up and sit down, mm. which could so easily have, have happened. Um, so I think that was really good because I think because I went to secondary school with a with a genuine like crack out the nerd glasses like a like a love of learning yeah do you know what I mean and I think that's totally on the you know five six women that taught me through primary school because um, I don't think I did I ever have a male teacher oh I think I did and I've forgotten him whoops <laughs> uh, um and then I, I also have so, so many memories of, of sixth form. So I, um, I left my school at 16 to go to a, a sixth form college um, uh, about an hour away. Like I, I chose to go elsewhere because it was um, partly, I think, as I really wanted some sort of independence. It was like a choice that I was making. But also like it was an excellent sixth form and I thought I would do well and get good grades um, and find myself. Um, and I... I did A-level dance, which may or may not have been a mistake, but (laughs) the dance teacher was such a character. She was so eccentric and she was so filled with the joy of dance that was really infectious. Like, I still quote her often. My mum often tells me that life's too short to stuff a mushroom. She normally does it when she's stuffing mushrooms, which is something that she always (laughs) always used to say because I I was... um, There weren't a lot of people who did A-level dance, and all of the others were better dancers than me. They were people that were pursuing either dance or like musical theatre as a career. So they were like, they were skilled enough to pursue that. I was doing dance because I enjoyed it, wanted to do something that was creative, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I was never made to feel like I wasn't as good as the others. Like I was mm. able to find my own strength and she would... Uh, not cater to me as though I needed I wasn't as good as the others but as in she really catered to everyone's strengths so she would find things that were good for this person she would find things that were good for someone else and and so I always felt supported and like I belonged in that room yeah because I think 
had I done had I stayed at the sixth form that was in my school I know the girls that did dance there I know the teacher it was a PE teacher who I didn't like who would have taught dance I would not have felt welcome in that room yeah do you know what I mean I think it's such a small thing to make someone feel like they belong in a place yeah yeah definitely my oh bless you I'm really sorry that's all right my chemistry teacher, um, <coughs> my chemistry teacher was a woman called Miss uh, Edwards, is now Mrs. Bebb. And you just saying that, Lizzie, about doing something small that makes you feel like you belong really reminded me of her because um, I was never a science person. I couldn't do, I just could not do it. Maths, it completely evaded me. I, c- I just couldn't work it out. But what I was good at was English and I was good at drama. And th- those were the only two real strengths that I had in school. And I remember that my chemistry teacher, when I, because Mrs. La- I started off with Mrs. Lanigan, then I graduated to Mrs. <laughs> Edwards, you know. And um, she was brilliant in that she used to let me out to do drama stuff during chemistry because she knew that I was trying and I just couldn't get it. And I'll never forget the letter she wrote to me. I still have it uh, when I left school. And it says, you know, Sarah, even though you never quite got chemistry, I always appreciated you putting the time and effort into trying to understand. I will never forget your various list of of illnesses. You did worry me that one day where you said you went temporarily blind. <laughs> and I remember Such a little drama it. queen. God, I remember it like it was yesterday. I, I, I basically was halfway through the lesson. I thought, I can't fucking do this. <laughs> <laughs> and I just went, miss. And she went, yes, Sarah. And I went, I can't see and she went what do you mean you can't see and i went miss i'm blind and then i knocked my pencil case off the desk just for added effect and she went oh because i would have hated to teach oh, you god i know and she went oh kate will you take sarah to the nurse right and so she did so she clearly like she was just like sarah's fucking playing up again just take her to the nurse she'll sit down have a paracetamol pretend she's cured and come back and i went to the nurse and i sat down on the nurse's chair and she came up to me and she looked at me in my eyes and she went, Sarah. And I turned to the left and went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But do you know what? I always appreciated that, that she 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 humoured me. And I know I was a little shit and I'm still a little shit. Um, I lie a little less often now and I'm a bit more honest when I'm not oh, interested in something. But, you know, I think that she always let me out to do drama because she knew she was like, this isn't for her. She's doing all of these things to get out of it. Like, let's just let her go and do something she excels in and enjoys. But that made the difference of my teaching experience. On the subject of of teachers, let me just do a little shout out to my mum. Because my mum is... Both my parents are teachers. My mum was a a home ec teacher and then had kids and then wound up in primary schools because... uh, One day, uh, turned up to drop my sister off for school and the head teacher came out and went, you've got a teaching degree, right? Come this way. And that's how my mum got into teaching primary school. Fantastic. Um, But, um, I obviously kind of like my mum, like, Mm. big old fan of of Mama Perry. But, um, genuinely so much respect for her as a teacher, having seen her, um, the home side of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, my mum, um took early retirement because of the stress of fucking teaching like it's not easy um and the hoops that you are made to jump through Mm. um and my mum worked for for most of my um adolescence she worked at a school um in a in a in a very low income area it was quite a rough school it was um it was never in special measures but they were always struggling a bit like they were never like the best Mm. school and so they didn't have a lot to be working with um, but she genuinely cared about every single person that came through her class mm. um, and was, you know, battling the the bureaucracy and the hoops to jump through whilst also genuinely caring about all of these kids and their lives and, you know, making things... She would find things... She got out of her way to translate things for the kids that English wasn't their first language, to find resource, extra resources for the kid that didn't get this and spent you know genuinely a lot of time aside from sitting at a dining table marking books for hours and hours and hours which is a lot of bullshit she spent you know she was really invested in every kid that came through and i think it really showed like we would go in if i went into town to shop with her like there would always be someone that was like oh miss perry and it was like a teenager or like an Mm. adult or like someone with their own kid um but they remembered her because she'd she'd put in that care so what about your mum rachel I think uh, the thing that I really learnt from my mum is resilience. Mm. Um, she 
has been through a lot of things in her life, but my mum is always there with a smile. It's a very, very rare occasion that you see her upset or miserable, um, and she's always kind of been there to support me in the fullest. Um, my mum, you know, used to take me to various different extracurricular activities every week. She was always making sure that I was happy and doing what I loved and she she absolutely is a champion of me. Oh, she's the nicest woman as she, well. She's she, so lovely. She's like an excitable puppy. Yeah, like every time I look at your mum's face, she looks like a Labrador. She's the human equivalent <laughs> of a golden retriever. Like oh. she really is. She's, she's very sweet. She's very no caring. idea what's happening, but she's just happy to be there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she is uh, an exceptional woman. Um and yeah, she's uh she's just so resilient and so um for me kind of just constant the, one of the constants in my life that's yeah. really nice something yeah. you can rely on yeah. yeah yeah and i think my mother my mother is so resilient like my mum is similar to yours in that she's been through so much in her life and um but the one thing that i always feel with my mother is that she she has always empowered me always to make the right decision to do what i want with my life to to be as wild and as uh, and as explorative and you know mad as i can be she and, is crazy oh my mother is, I love is her. oh she's fucking oh my mother honestly i could just i, I just want to squeeze her i just she's she is she's a mad bastard but Sa- sarah's mum came to see um beach body ready oh, now on tour book your tickets um and uh we, the, the, the girls talk about their mums in the show quite a, a bit and um and dawn is featured um and and at the moment that she was featured she stood up got on the stage and took a bow yeah that was that was interesting and you know what the bastard got a bigger round of applause than me no. so she deserved it no she's 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 my mother i think had me when she was 18 years old so she was a very young mum um and she had three children by the age of 22 which you know i'm 27 now and i i can't imagine having three children it's just insane um and i think growing up she had to do a lot for herself she was very independent she um her and my dad divorced when i was younger and we my mother just took us all and just and really took care of us and looked after us but i think that my mum throughout her life because of the fact that she had us so young she didn't get to do an awful lot of things with when she was younger because well she had three children in the house to look after and so I think my mum has always been, um, you know, banging on to me and saying, do it, go on holiday, travel, go to that party, go, go and drink, go and like, go and do everything because I couldn't do it. And I want you. And, and it's almost like I feel like sometimes my mum lives vicariously through me, um, which is such a sweet thing. But yeah, my mother is equal parts, wonderful and adorable, equal parts, mad as fuck and that's why and and that's me so that is true (laughs) that is true so yeah i feel like i'm very much my my mum's daughter definitely for sure i think all three of us take after our mothers absolutely yeah do you know what i really want our mothers to do a show together god it'd be incredible (laughs) i feel like dawn penny would be on board but uh mine and rachel's mums might might be a little more reserved (laughs) oh god what a show that would be i feel like i've kind of graduated from my family and childhood friends <laughs> graduated from a family farewell into, never see you again into a fiercely feminist group of friends and that has been made through university being at work some of the most incredible feminists i've met at work and i'm still in contact with them all and they all hold a part yeah. of my heart um you know they've shown me different things they've taught me in so many different ways mm. um and just surrounding yourself with women who believe in other women and want to champion other women you know there's so many of them out there and if you find that group is the most incredible experience i i think as well as as people who um you know founded a theater company and who wanted to do something independent and and on our by ourselves effectively and sort of floundered a bit um so much of the support especially in the early year or so came from really strong women who just got shit done even right back to when me and rachel founded the company um was part of assemble fest and we just went oh let's let's try it out we'll mm. we'll we'll give it a go um and maddie who ran at assemble fest went gave us so much advice and went out of her way to 
to be there as a as our very first mentor to say oh you can do this this is what you need to do to make this work um you know through you know a number of producers that have have taken us under their wing and supported us and given us advice as we grew as a company um you know too too many to list but you know we people often ask us now that we are sort of semi-established sort of how do you do it um and i think it's so easy to forget because it is hard work and it is it does take passion and drive and time and stress um that actually so much of it is external and so much of it came from people that had trod that path before us going here's the route i took or be careful of this on your way Mm. um and it's that thing of of if you might have to fight your way to that door but like someone's gone through it before and they can help you yeah. and not closing it behind you i think is such an important um like lesson in life yeah, yeah. don't pull up the ladder once you've reached the top of the tree like help other people get there like help them build new ladders like exactly and i think there's you know there's always going to be a better better way we talk we talked a lot about like why why the fuck would we go through all this stress to make our company what's the value in it what's the what's the worth and we, we've talked a lot about building something that works for us, that isn't necessarily just a carbon copy of something else. Um, and so we do work to do something that is new and that will benefit us. But I think it's making sure that that will then, that's a legacy that we can gift to other people. Absolutely. In the same way that the template for it has come from our, I was going to say forefathers, and that's gendered male, yeah. and I apologise. <laughs> Not on the International oh, Guys, God. I'll just shut myself out. Um, but I also think as well, a lot of it comes from, for me, you know, obviously Rachel and Lizzie started up the company, and I joined, what was it, two years ago now? Nearly, nearly two one. years ago. I know, fuck me. I've, uh, Can't I've, get rid of her. This is my notice. <laughs> and no, um, but, uh, you know, for me, the big part of coming into it has not only been sort of Lizzie and Rachel and, and Shauna as well. I mean, lest we forget our fucking powerhouse oh, producer, Shauna. Shauna McCoy. Um, Speaking of inspirational women. Oh, my goodness. She couldn't be here today. She will be on future podcasts, but she is... Um, honestly, she's a marvel. How she does what she does, I uh, she'll talk about another time, but she's phenomenal. Um, but, you know, me coming into this company of Lizzie, Rachel and, and Shauna and, and working with them and being inspired and... and um, you know, becoming so much more passionate about these issues. Again, I didn't find feminism and my own empowerment until really I sort of started meeting, hanging out with you guys. And that was because I hadn't surrounded myself with women who felt empowered and were willing to empower other people. And now the, the greatest thing is that I think when we do Beach Body Ready, for example, which is our show about body image and we get our kit off and we wiggle our bellies, the amount of women in our audience, the amount of uh, people who come up to us afterwards and give us a cuddle and say thank you. And for me, genuinely, I get very like emotional about the fact that I never thought that I'd have the platform or the ability to inspire anybody else. And, and doing that, it genuinely makes me feel like, oh, God, it's amazing. It's such a weird thing as well, isn't it? Because we, we never set out to do something that was inspirational. In fact, if you told us as we approached it, that people would be deeming it as such i'd be almost offended i'd be like no we don't want to be this inspiration porn it's not like it's not brave for women to show you their bodies on stage and you know all this bullshit and um and i i think i would have really resented the idea that we were trying to make something that was inspirational um but we've sort of discovered on the way that actually our goal in just sh- stating this is the world as i see it this is what i want to change about it um is still a relatively radical thing and it might be small scale but it's enough that people can see it and identify it and go oh i want to do that and it's it's on the smallest most human level that moment of connection has so much power um i think we're all we when people talk to us about the show we often talk about so much about the impact of it um we always say we set out to 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 sort of facilitate conversations and that it shouldn't just stand alone it should be the first part of a conversation that people go off and have they come and have with us but they go off and have with their friends their family um whoever and there's been some wonderful responses um from people who have said oh i'd never you know i consider myself to be feminist or um um you know body positive or body neutral you know not you know i would never take someone down for their 
um, for their size or their appearance. But being able to go, oh, actually, I do, I have, like, I've definitely just on a personal level, I've definitely told someone to eat a sandwich before when they've complained about, you know, being fat and they're skinny. And actually that thing of going, oh, I'm going to check my language. I'm going to check the way that I talk to other people. Mm. I mean, such a small thing that has such a big impact. Or even uh, the one that always stands out to me is the one where uh, uh, someone kind of just changed their thought process and thought, actually, do you know what? I'm going to start complimenting other women um, and went up to someone in the toilet and went, do you know what? Um, this is a bit weird, but I saw this show and it's made me change uh, my thought patterns. And I just wanted to tell you that you look great tonight. And they went... Was it Beachbody ready? Yeah. Like, oh, just... And that that for me is the is genuinely the most magical yeah. thing is is the sort of little changes that that the show was influenced beyond our wildest imagination. Sure. Like I, we never thought that, that would be the case, and um and I think I'm I'm so delighted that we have had an opportunity to empower other women, um and that's just been absolute magic but i think that filters through to how we make things and how we work as a company as well it's always been really important that it's a democracy and that it's a voices matter and even to the place where we run our room and as we rehearse that that not just the people making the show but any visit you know we've had teenagers come and sit into the room and we will ask for and listen to and value their opinion as much as um the experts that we've invited in to mentor and oversee things and mm-hmm. um you know and uh, you know the the stage manager sitting in the room's voice is valid to they you know they're not just there to to tick a box and do a um uh risk assessment you know but like making sure that the voices are valued and i think that's something that we can do as a company to champion women um and uh and other genders moving forward yeah and if you want to see beach body ready uh you can find the tickets on our website <laughs> roaringgirls.co.uk shameless plug we are on tour uh starting this month this is our shameless plug please support please, female makers <laughs> please come and see us <laughs> so one final quick question yeah is international women's day still needed nope end of day let's go <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it is it's that weird. thing isn't it where these conversations do need to continue and obviously one day is not enough to go ah oh, let's talk about pay inequality on this one day but and and there are obviously there are movements that have broken out of the confines of let's talk you know here's a data post an article about women you know if you think of like me too and and the time's up stuff and all that has really broken away and become a, a story in and of itself that is about um power and inequality etc um but i i think there's value in having a spotlight and going even even if it is a ream of uh, articles that say what's the point in international women's day because within those articles you're gonna find stuff about pain equality and about sexual harassment and about you know a myriad of other issues facing women across the world none of which we've even touched do you know what i mean like there's so much that is that there is value in in discussing and learning about and we could do a podcast on every single one of them um and just to have that spotlight on it i think has huge value yeah especially if you are if you are privileged enough that you don't encounter it if you are you know and and not even just if you're you know a straight white man but if you are if you live in the western you know we are we don't have the same level of fear or insecurity or inequality as other places Mm. in the world um we're all white women we don't have the same prejudices in our life we don't have the same obstacles um and so i think it can be really easy to overlook that those obstacles exist for other people and i think there's no bad thing in having a in highlighting it yeah i couldn't agree more i think international women's day is something that we should continue to fight for and celebrate and just truly truly showcase kind of the history of women and where we're heading towards as well um you see a lot of t-shirts that say the future is female and all that kind of thing and that's a whole other podcast we'll talk about that let me tell you about the selling off of feminist ideals let me get on my high horse (laughs) (laughs) but for me the future is about equality and equity and making sure that we're all able to achieve the best that we can yeah that's what international women's day is for me yes rachel can i suggest that we finish just to round it off that we go around and we all do a shout out for our fave local female-led business oh girl yay we are in hull so this is all gonna be hull and east yorkshire specific and if you're not from hull guys what you doing hop on a train yes (laughs) it's worth a visit um so i'm gonna start off one of my favorite female-led businesses in hull is tessie's on humber street yes they have a dog called cecil (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sorry, right? But, oh. oh, Cecil. Cecil is a dog that inspired the gremlins. Like, and not not he oh. he didn't solely do that, but his breed. Um, but they sell amazing like jewelry and uh, headbands and uh, clothes, plus size clothes as well. Uh, particularly if you are a uh, plus size or fat woman, um, look out for the yellow cubes on their clothing because those are plus size uh, and it's actually quite affordable as well. So Tessie's huge shout out. Um, I want to do a little shout out to fellow female-led theatre company in the area, She Productions. Yes. Um, who are Beverly-based um, East Riding, um, but they are our, our sisters. Um, aside from championing um female creatives in the area um and putting on you know great work in a range of sort of stuff they, they're always doing something it's amazing i feel like i should have looked up what they're doing in march so i could plug it oh well google them um but they you know aside from putting on all, all this work they also use their platform to really champion women and feminist issues as simple as they post feminist friday stuff to suggest people to follow and look into on their twitter and instagram to running i know they've done workshops in schools in east riding about like consent and things like that um and they're just a really really lovely group of ladies who are who are who are changing the world one show at a time yeah uh for me i'm going to kind of do a shout out to two incredible <gasps> women oh two um the first of which is louise beach who oh, is great choice not only the biggest babe but she's also a phenomenal writer she's on like book like six or seven now she cranks out books each one absolutely storms it she's absolutely incredible and she's also the nicest person you're not allowed to be talented and nice which is why we're not talented (laughs) (laughs) speak for yourself i'm not nice (laughs) um and the last shout out has to go to hull icon the bee lady Oh, oh yes jean Jean Bishop has, if you've not heard about her, she has raised over £100,000 for Age UK by dressing up as a bee and she stands and people give her lots of money because she's a sweet angel who is the most perfect woman. And she refuses for you to have a picture with her unless you put change in her bucket and yeah. she's the woman I hope to be in my she's 80s. She's raised so much money but she's also just such a nice, warm character. Yeah. Like She really is like Hull's nan. Yeah, she's, oh, she's awesome. An incredible woman. Halls full of incredible women. Um, and thank you to these two incredible women, Sarah and Lizzie, for today's podcast. Thank Thanks, you, Rachel. Rachel. You're okay. We think you're all right. <laughs> you can stick around if you want. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so this was the Roaring Podcast with the Roaring Girls. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us on social media at the Roaring Girls. A huge thank you to the University of Hull for letting us host our podcast here. Now, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy our latest show, Beach Body Ready. It is a show which is all about body positivity and basically sticking two fingers up to everything the media say that you should look like. We are going on tour. We'll be out and about across the UK from March to July. You can find tickets on www.theroaringgirls.co.uk or you can find it in any of our social media links. We'll see you there. Bye. <laughs>